This podcast covers my epic art fails for all art teachers. If this podcast helps prevent just one art teacher from an epic fail, then sharing my disaster stories will have been worth it. Admitting mess-ups is humbling, especially when you're creating a podcast on how to be a successful art teacher. But we do grow from our messes more than our successes. No matter how much you plan, prepare, and practice, every teacher has a setback, especially when first starting out. In my 12 years as an art teacher, there are mistakes I will never, ever repeat. Let me begin by saying that I am not one of those art teachers who works in a sterile environment. That's no fun. The reason the following stories are so frightening is because I have back-to-back classes. I have 45 minutes for each class, and I have prepared the setup materials ahead of time, so they are ready and waiting when the next grade walks through the door. I give students five minutes to clean up and dismiss them, while 20 more students are waiting outside the door dying to come in. If there is anarchy in the art room, it causes problems with the outgoing and incoming classes. The very worst is when I lose track of time and the bell catches us in the middle of a project. Oh, how I hate when that happens. Here are a few of my art lesson blunders. The Beautiful Awful I love collaborative projects. My first or second year of teaching art, I planned a mosaic mural of sorts by giving each student a 10 inch by 10 inch square of cardboard to draw on. My plan was to tape them all together using black duct tape to create a giant grid, each art square framed in black. I plan to showcase this piece at our annual chili cook-off, which is an evening event at our school. All of my art students would participate. Students could show their parents which square they made, and hopefully I would impress the director and principal of the school who had just hired me. My first class of the week was third grade. I had the cardboard squares, pencils, erasers, and soft chalk pastels out on the tables. I instructed the kiddos to draw in pencil first before they used the pastels. They could draw or write whatever they wanted. It didn't have to be about chili, but they could design their chili cook-off team name or have a western theme. Anything their little hearts desired. I thought the vivid colors of the chalk pastels would really pop on the tan color of the cardboard, especially the white. They also blend together beautifully with your fingers. Everything started off well. I helped students come up with images for their cook-off teams, showed them how to spell chili, and how to draw a pot of chili that looked 3D. At some point, I surveyed the class and discovered that the pastel dust was everywhere. It was accumulating in piles on their artwork, on the tables, on fingers, faces, clothing, and I swear I could see it lingering in the air. Some of my little angels noticed it was getting out of hand and began blowing it off their artwork and onto their fellow art students, smearing it on their faces like war paint. I could not believe how much pastel dust covered everything in the classroom. It was a colorful, awful disaster. You really had to be there to understand the extent of the chaos. It reminded me of the Indian festival Holi, where colored pigment explodes in the air and partygoers dressed in white become caked in brightly colored pigment. I took up the pastels immediately and began damage control. I sent kids to the sink in the classroom and out to the restrooms. Later, I scrubbed colorful handprints off of doorknobs, light switches, sinks, and floors. I instructed students that as soon as they got home, tell their parents to use stain remover on their clothes and wash them right away. It was years before I considered using pastels again. 
and when I did, it was for a project that required only a small touch of white as a highlight. Supersized selfies. One year, I thought it would be fun to take a giant roll of white paper and roll out as much as I could fit onto the floor. I had the kids take turns laying down in creative poses and tracing each other onto the paper. My second graders would arrange their arms and legs in different poses, then draw their faces, hair, sunglasses, clothes, shoes, and jewelry. Their selfies were eating ice cream, lollipops, carrying a cat or a dog, all kinds of fun stuff. I don't even remember which medium we used for the project. It was probably markers, but we could have had tempera paint out as well. Surprisingly, the media was not the problem. My plan was to cut them all out and tape them to the walls of the school hallway. I thought they would look super cool and the kids would love it. Looking back, I don't know if it was their age, their mood that day, or maybe their stress level, or maybe something happened in class. I don't know. But one by one, students became unhappy with the way their selfies looked. Their face was messed up, or their hair wasn't right, or they looked ugly and wanted to start over, and one by one they started crying. Most of the class was upset and crying over how they looked in their paintings. I never thought I would experience this kind of problem in art class, ever. Consoling and encouraging them didn't help at all. So I wrapped up the lesson early and took them outside to run around on the field before taking them back to their classroom. I tossed all of the selfies and I learned my lesson. I didn't want to give up entirely on this project, though, but not without making a change. The next year, I instructed students to create a fun, silly, imaginary character, not themselves. Water Bottle Weaving As many lessons start out, I saw a cool project on Pinterest and decided to change it up and make it my own. My downfall was overestimating the ability of the age group I was teaching. It was also that teaching kids how to weave is difficult at any age. The project was an adorable little basket made by weaving yarn using the bottom half of a plastic water bottle. I cut the tops off of water bottles and cut slits down the sides of the bottle, almost to the bottom. I pre-cut lengths of different colors of yarn for the kids to choose from and set out tape to secure one end of the yarn to the bottom of the inside of the bottle. Whenever I try out a new project, I always regret it when I don't make an example to test it out first, to work out any bugs and take note of any issues that might come up. I had done that with this project, but my mistake was overestimating their ability and the materials I chose. The water bottles I used were made of very thin plastic, which made the cut sections very flimsy when weaving in and out of them. It was impossible for the students to weave the yarn and maneuver the flimsy plastic pieces that kept moving around and when they pulled the yarn tight would slip right off the bottle. They had such a hard time managing the project that they became frustrated and then upset. The worst part was that they wanted to finish the project to have a cute little basket to take home. I took up all the water bottles and yarn as I apologized and promised to make it up to them with something really special. I want my students to love art and play and experiment, and I hated that they were discouraged in art class. The next year, when the same group of kids were a whole year older, I asked if they remembered the project. I passed out some pre-cut cardboard circles, especially made for weaving baskets using colored raffia. They were more mature and had better materials and easily managed the project 
taking home beautiful, colorful baskets. I learned not to overestimate the ability of the age I'm teaching, using manageable, good quality materials, and that teaching kids how to weave is really hard at any age. On the subject of weaving, please listen to my podcast with several strategies I've developed on presenting the concept of weaving to different age groups. It's really helpful. Painting with Little Ones Our school's music teacher and photography teacher and I got together and organized an art festival showcasing our students' art, music, and photography. We took the A, M, and P and called the event AMP. To decorate the event, I wanted all 111 of my art students to paint a person, a coach, or a teacher on a fence board. The plan was to have the painted boards lining a long metal fence where people entered the festival, and it would look adorable. The fence boards would be different heights for different ages. Our principal brings her two dogs to school with her each day, and we made two tiny boards for them as well. The project was done outside because we were using donated latex house paint, and I knew it would be messy in a permanent way. Here is the fail. I made the mistake of leaning the fence boards against a wall for the kids to paint. The older ones were fine with this. They managed the paint, the brushes, and the paint containers like pros. It was the four- and five-year-olds, the little ones, where things went wrong. I instructed the kids to choose a paint color, take the cup of paint with the brush to their fence board, and start painting. Instead, they would grab a paintbrush out of the cup and carry that, dripping all the way to their board, and paint their board, with the paint running down the wood and onto their shoes. I did have enough foresight to put them into smocks, so most of them didn't get paint on their school uniforms. But I will never forget the image I saw looking down the row of kids, each dripping different colors of latex house paint onto their shoes, and then walking through it and tracking it onto the sidewalk and the decking. I stopped them in their tracks, told them put their paintbrushes down on the ground, and take off their shoes. And then I washed paint off a dozen shoes in the art sink as quickly as possible. It was challenging to work quickly because hurting four and five year olds is like hurting kittens and puppies. They're adorable, but they wander around everywhere. The next week, I held class inside the classroom, where I felt like I had more control. The boards were laying on covered tables, and the paint containers were well within their reach. In the end, the project turned out great, even though it involved a lot of work. We glued buttons and jewelry, flowers, and trim to our fence board people. Also, the parents were really great about it, declaring their kids had official art shoes that they would wear on art day. A couple of the teachers still proudly display their likeness on a fence board in their classroom, and that makes me feel good. Glitter. I know better than to use glitter on any project. Glitter glue, glitter paper, and glitter pens are great, but glitter poured or shaken is banned from my art room. You can't spell glitter without litter, and you'll be cleaning it forever. I did break down once after my older, more mature 8th graders begged for glitter. And even they couldn't handle it responsibly. And I regretted it. I kept them after the bell to clean up their sparkly disaster. Check out a blog called Art Teachers Hate Glitter. It's also on Facebook. It's a humor blog, and it is so funny. I guarantee it will make you laugh out loud. Closing note. I never have and never will do finger painting. I did it as a kid and loved it. But many people assume we finger paint in art. 
and believe me when I say it will never happen. I know better. Thank you, Teresa. That was beautiful.